All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on topics they're definitely not experts in. I'm Neil, mm-hmm. and I'm joined by uh, Jordan, Mr. Yep. Friendly Geordies. How are you doing? Secondary expert here. Thank you. Uh, very good. Get Common Sense Brigade merchandise. I don't think we've been spruiking that anywhere near enough. There's only been about seven or eight mentions each podcast. <laughs> I think up into the double digits. Well, we've stopped wearing it here on the podcast. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's a, no excuse for you not to. It's a great flannel. So it's, uh, it's very warm and it's still breathable. So throughout summer, you'll still, uh, you won't get too hot. Okay. What more do you need to? What more do you need? <laughs> We're really scraping the surfaces of what we could possibly get out of the fabric. There's been a lot of selling points I've noticed. We can just talk shit about it. Oh, it's just 100% polyester nylon. Yeah. And it's high quality. It's uh, not made with any slave labor. I checked. Mark's good like that. I went to the in, production in line. He he's anti-slavery. He's what you would refer to as an abolitionist. Yeah, and you'd usually prefer that in a clothes manufacturer. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I say prefer. I mean, there's some pretty good clothes out there I would probably still buy if they're made by slaves. True that, and they are cheap. They're there are very some advantages cheap. to slavery. <laughs> it gets shit done. Have you seen that T-shirt where it's a picture of the pyramid and it just says slavery gets shit done? Well, I mean, I can't argue with that shirt. That's not. <laughs> we can't compete with that kind of merch. But look, if you want the second best merch out there, buy the uh, Common Sense Brigade Flano. Go to LonelyKidsClub.com slash either Friendly Geordies or Neil Kalhatka. Or the, just go to LonelyKidsClub.com. You'll find it. And it'll be the greatest purchase you've ever made. It's a definite statement, but I think that I can back it up in that I'm also affiliated with this. So I, I've got a vested interest to do it. So affiliated. This is, a, this is a, you know, a deal production here. <laughs> I don't <laughs> no. think you're just affiliated. I guess you are affiliated. Yeah, affiliated equal shareholder. And, There's a lot um, of terms that we keep flying around now about ourselves in this. Yeah, the, yeah, we're equal shareholders in this partnership. Yeah. This is a business partnership, is it not? It is, but it's at that level where like housewives start selling Tupperware. This is the 21st century version of that. It's, it's not extremely profitable, but it is technically a business. When D-list influencers start selling merch, yeah. you're at... yeah. <laughs> you're at that same level. that's the 1950s Tupperware party <laughs> yeah, I tell but... your mates it's good stuff I wonder uh, I would like to know if those still continue um, it would be like a throwback just bored sexless housewives being like mm, my husband doesn't fuck me so I guess I'll sell Tupperware yeah. and complain about him with the girls but is there other ways of doing that now? There must Tupperware. be other, not just selling Tupperware. There's got to be other ways that housewives can get together. There's, surely they've invented another excuse by now. That's that's the real mystery here. What do they do? Complain. Yeah. What else do they do? Yeah, you're right. Actually, that's pretty much it. Complain on news outlets like Mamma Mia Today and News.com. Gosh, it's such a bleak outlook being a, a Western housewife. Especially a white housewife, because they get that leathery face and they just become angry and very Karen-esque. Yeah. How many 50-year-old white women do you know that aren't bitter? I don't know any. I'm, tr- I'm really trying to... I'm racking my brain here. <laughs> and then I think when they get to 70, they, uh, they might mellow out a little bit. 
and become the sweet old lady. Yeah, possibly that could happen. I think... This is a divider as always. If you're going to be a housewife and you're going to be a nice, sweet person, you've got to get into tree of life magic. You've got to get into tarot reading. Yeah, you've got to be kind you've of You've got to get into hippie. Deepak Chopra. Yeah, you've got to be yeah. a hippie. You've got to be very... Talk sexually without having sex. So you're a teenage boy. <laughs> As you approach menopause, I think the, the, the sex drive does actually... Tip. Yes. So teenage boys, are that's when men are the horniest, and then it just goes gradually down, whereas women, their horniness peaks before menopause. Yeah. In their 30s and 40s. That's the one. It's really obvious as well. Bizarre design. It is. It really is. But it's true because cougars start getting really grabby around that age. Yeah. All inhibition goes. It's just that last ditch attempt, closing down, sale, everything must go. It's a sad life, isn't it? You're right. There's really no femininity left. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want a real man. I want to be with a real woman. (laughs) (laughs) I've had six G&Ts with the girls. Yeah, let me sit on your face, young man. Mm, what are you studying at uni? <laughs> there's a real... So- the problem with life is that there's like a real undersupply of MILFs and a huge oversupply of cougars. Because I think that's every dude's fantasy. To get with a chick that's in her 40s that's still got it. That's but pretty how rare. How many of them exist? Uh, not many. Not many. Not many. There's and even probably when you see li- one, it's like, it's like noteworthy. You tell all your friends about it. Well, you probably can't tell because they look like they're still in their 30s. Yeah. Or then you've got the ones that are just basically plastic. But I'll go there. That's an improvement on a cougar. Yeah. If I had the choice between having sex with plastic or a cougar, I'm choosing plastic. Really? Of course. Aren't you? What? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, I thought you were just talking about plastic in general. No, like... Oh, well, even yeah, then, no, no. probably, actually. Like, like, I really am scared of cougars. Like a Botox Karen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, that's it. kind of like but a that fantasy is a cat, one. But that is a cougar, isn't it? What's the difference? Isn't a cougar... What That voice encapsulates a cougar. Yeah, then that. no, I don't want... Yeah, yuck! It... Yuck! <laughs> there's, not... <laughs> there's not much difference between a cougar and a house cigarette smoker is there no i think they're pretty much like look, a, a 24 possibly. year old with 10 kids that's like yeah been smoking since i was 12 yeah come here fuck me that's that's the same as a cougar yeah the only difference between them is money but a cougar can be a, a house but a house isn't necessarily a cougar yeah but the, the house cougar is a cougar by 26 house cougar yes no, that's definitely true. Man, when I was living in Lithgow, holy shit. It was Hillary Duff syndrome. It was yeah. just like, as soon as they hit 21, it was like, how did you gain 15 years on your face? Yeah. How did that happen? That age range, 18 to, to 24. That happens to chicks that live in low socioeconomic areas. Wow. Yeah. I suppose it happens to guys as well. But I'm not interested in guys, so I'm not studying their faces as much. <laughs> but I always noticed that about living in Lithgow. There was just two options there. Uh, 
have your face severely dehydrated very quickly or move out. So I don't know, man. Like I, I think there's not this, much of a choice, is there? There's not much of a choice. But money definitely preserves people. That is something that I've seriously noted. Do you think it's just money or is it just being around just laborers all day? Oh, right. And so it's because normal it's a- to smoke. In the sun. Is there two yeah. things you could possibly do that is worse for your skin? You just finish work at 2 p.m. and then you, you have a six-pack of beer and a pack of cigarettes and you do that all throughout your 20s. You, you're going to look like shit yeah. by your 30s. <laughs> it is the opposite of facial mask. There's nothing. Yeah, true. There's, like, <laughs> honestly, like cigarettes is just mummifying yourself in slow motion. Damn, the Lithgow facial mask. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's uh, yeah. There's definitely like there's definitely that aspect of the fact that it just seems n- normal for a thirty year old to look fifty. There is a, a it's not as apparent, but there's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty Australia's funniest the, home uh, videos moment <laughs> of the table. Um, okay. There's a what was I even going to say? Yeah, there re- really is a a a, a booming class of white trash in australia mm. and they're having a lot of kids and i can't imagine the social mobility of those kids is particularly high no tradies be- tradies beget it, tradies it's not trade i don't think tradies are that sort of tradies are first of all pretty well off but that's what i'm saying Isn't that what you're pretty org- they no i'm talking about like laborers uh-huh it's different. I suppose it is slightly different in that tradies earn $100,000 a year for having a more specified skill, more. I'm pretty sure it takes a few years to become a tradie. And then you're running a small business. I'm talking about guys that just do like your six-month construction course and then just... Or not even. Yeah, not in mates with the, you know, the foreman or whatever. Fuck, there's a lot of money in it. There's a lot of money for the people who are... Even for the just day to day work, actually no, I've got a few mates that do it. They they do make money. And it's hard. It's backbreaking work, but it's well remunerated. Yes, true. Mm. And that is actually a form of government welfare that nobody really notes about. But that's definitely what's happening. Just mini stimulus packages of making huge infrastructure projects and hiring them, and then they go out and buy winnies and move, and that keeps <laughs> the economy going. It does make sense because it I does, I so see that. some of the the rates they're getting and it it's pretty exorbitant well yeah it's definitely for a reason having said that i don't want to be on a construction site all day and and from like 5 a.m as well i don't know man i remember there's there's times where you've talked to me and you've looked wistfully in the distance to somebody who's a handyman you like the idea of it yeah the, but a handyman is very different to you know, a construction slave. Okay, so you want to be indoors fixing fridges? No, <laughs> I, I no. If it, if it was any trade I would do, it would be um, landscaping. For obvious reasons, you would love that. I love landscaping. That's from what I've heard, pretty backbreaking work as well. But you know, when you look at that garden, that would be very rewarding. <laughs> yeah, After six months of backbreaking labor, you see those palm trees, and you're like, "Oh, I did a good job." Yeah. 
And you get to see it once and then you have to move on. I suppose yeah. you can take photos of it, but it might actually be illegal to do that. But you would definitely like that. But I think you have more expertise in interior design. That might be where you should be moving. What makes you say that? Because of the plants in here. Because I got, I got what, two little house plants in Kmart pots. Well, I'm just saying they're well coordinated. Thank you. <laughs> you could do it, man. Thank you. I think that for, for for a man, it's very pretty. Any woman who lives in this apartment would think it would it was extremely dull and bleak. You're right, but when I walk in here, I feel like I'm just walking into a Hilton hotel suite. And there's a guy who's just very impressed by this place because you're oh, like, wow, you. that's a bed and a mattress. I mean, an, and a sofa. Yeah, what more do you need? You don't need anything else. You you don't even need your bedroom really. <laughs> you I actually even, all, only need this space. That's true. I don't even use my kitchen table. I just eat on the couch. But that's every guy. That's what, man. what kind of man eats at the kitchen table? Yeah, no. You know who does? A 1960s are, family man. 1960s family man, guy that's planning to assassinate the president. That's all that yep. sits on a table. Yeah. If you're sitting there, you're, you're a workaday guy. And they're both the same thing, really. Yeah. Now, anyone attempting <laughs> to assassinate the president would have a very suburban life. Yeah, they need that rush. Yeah. But I think that that's cool that you're, that's your version of a rush. Just your little escape into, yeah, I could make some pretty straight tiles, you know? Oh, I wouldn't. Look, I don't, I don't know if you fully, I haven't told you about what uh, really is a rush for me, but sure. <laughs> I'd say that's a, that's a very, uh, that's a very wholesome rush that I try to aim for. But there are other rushes. Yeah, like trucker pills and stuff. But your whole Trucker one, pills? Well, I'd imagine What's that's what you're talking about. What's a trucker pill? You know, just like really low quality speed. I've never <laughs> tried that, but I would, I would be happy. Well, like over the counter speed. I think so. Never tried so. that. It's always just called something like pip or awake with a full exclamation mark. I think they sell it with BP. No, I've never tried those, but I'll have to. I'll have to give them a go. Next podcast, I'll uh, try a little uh, pick me up before we start. You do like your pick me ups, so do you. I like my pick me ups as well. We are like very caffeinated men. Ones. Yeah, yeah. And actually, if anyone has any tips on that, do you know how to get off coffee? I just like to do that for a couple of weeks. That'd be really nice. Give me some tips of how you got out of uh, that little addiction hole. I've heard conflicting evidence about whether coffee is good for you or not. There's some uh, correlative evidence that says it's good for your heart health. But then there's, uh, that's probably because people who drink coffee are more likely to be active. I don't think it's the coffee itself. Right. I don't know. But then there's some, I was researching, there's some evidence that says it's, look, it's, it's up in the air. I'm sure like with anything that's of that variety of, you know, a quote unquote addiction, if you have one or two cups a day, you'll be fine. How many are you having a day? One or two cups a day. Yeah, but fine. that is a huge increase from zero cups. And I'm finding it really hard to get through the day without one now. Yeah, so, I'm the same. But, but like, so aren't you pretty scared? normal. Yeah, but <laughs> that is, <laughs> look, scared. it's exactly what you were saying. Also, what's normal is working in the sun all day, uh, doing back-breaking labor, smoking. That's, that's also normal. But I don't think that's a good thing. I think it's coffee. It has to be no. bad. Like I feel my skin feels less hydrated afterwards. 
And that's pretty much all I'm concerned about. It is about. a, uh, di- I think diuretic is the term where it de- it does dehydrate you. It has to. It feels it. Yeah. I feel mummified afterwards. It, it, that, well, it does do that, yeah. And yeah. it clears out your system, if you will. That's a plus, I've got to say. That is a, do, that's a great I, I like, like that. that part about it. <laughs> Me too. You get very consistent bowel movements. That is awesome. Yeah, every morning you have one and all right, now and I'm going. Where you go. Yeah. It gets you moving. It's a great release. Great, great release valve. <laughs> but I've just noticed every time I go to, to Coles, I'm getting the um, stronger coffee each time. Oh, I no. started off with the Nescafe, the, the, the weakest one. Mm. And now I have the black roast. The, 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 I got one that was for, uh, I forget, what's that really strong, uh, the, just when it's in a shot of coffee? What's that one called? Not a macchiato, espresso. Yeah, yeah, I got powder just for espresso, but I put it in a normal coffee. Uh, I don't know anything about coffee, but does it does it does it have weak in it? <laughs> no, actually, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I assume I don't even know if it's stronger. Actually, anyway, the point is, I'm tr- I'm 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 clearly not getting the same hit. No, from your standard coffee anymore. So no, you are not. I'm trying all sorts of different things. And I never drank coffee up up until like I'm the same as you. I didn't drink it till about two years ago. Yeah, what I would want though is to not be addicted to it. That'd be nice. Having the freedom to just say, "Nah, I'm not having that today." Well, just what if you just say on certain days each week? Okay, on Tuesday and Thursday, I'm not going to drink coffee. You know what's odd? That actually works. I wouldn't expect that. Well, like, why don't so you do, you do well, that, do you? No, I don't do it. No, not with coffee, but like just in other stuff in your life. Do you just say Tuesdays is my cheese day or whatever? Yeah, yeah sometimes. And it works for you? Uh, well, I'm trying to think. The only thing I do with that actually is some days I don't work out. But that's, a, but that's actually a positive habit and I'm not doing it. So I'm trying to think if there's a bad habit I do daily that I – well, that I do – Every day except for one day. No, actually, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't. I've, I haven't been um, doing a lot of things though. I've been pretty good this year. I haven't. I've been doing no fap. Well, you two days in. Two. You doing no nut November? No, no, no. I've been doing it since uh, probably July. When you haven't fapped at all? No. How? I mean, I'm seeing someone, so that. Oh, so you still like had to off your load in there. Yeah, I've been offing my load, if you will. Yeah. But, but no, how often is that, though? So how many times are you busting it out of work? Uh, and she comes over maybe twice a week. You know what? That is manageable. Yeah. And do you think that your sex life has improved as yeah, a result? Yeah, dramatically. Okay, well, that's just enough. I've got to dramatically, start Dramatically. And I have a lot more energy. Uh, you, you really do utilize that sexual compulsion. Especially if you're working out. <laughs> How do you get out of it though? Because I swear, if there's one thing I'm more addicted to than coffee, it's wanking. I really like having a wank. I thought I was too, but I can't even remember why I stopped. There was um, I always knew about the no fap thing, but I never even attempted it. You know what? It was because I didn't put a lot of pressure on it. I didn't say, okay, for the next couple of months, I'm not doing it. There was a point I either read an article or I might have been doing a podcast with Eliza and we were talking about it. And then I said, well, let me just see how long I can go. 
So there's no pressure on on me to 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 reach a certain uh, period of time, and I think that's why I was able to get pretty far. Yeah, and also the psychology behind that is that you're looking at it as a challenge. You're right. You're not looking at it as a thing of like you're denying yourself something. You're actually seeing just by the very way you're framing it in your head, you're seeing what you can gain out of it. Yeah. So one, just try that. Just see how long you can go. And, you know, no shame if you do. Do, do you watch porn when you fap? Oh, yeah, heaps. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Brazos. Okay, I have been watching porn, but but keeping it up and just like having a bit and then just very rarely. But I just get bored sometimes, and I'm like, I'll have a look. Oh, that one was good, and then I don't actually. I don't know how I've been doing it, but I don't actually release. No, I remember I did exactly the same thing in my no not November. I don't know why that. It's really weird. You know what it is? I think it's just like. You know what happens in porn after a while? It's always just like two or three frames of just like a cock going in a mouth over and over. Like you see it a gif on Pirate Bay or something. And you're like, well, that's it. I'm going I'm to have to inspect this video. And then you look at it and it's just like every other porn video. It's just like yeah. you just want to fast forward to like 30 seconds. That doesn't get you off. So then you look at like 50 other videos and then eventually one, you're just like, well, it's been two hours. I may as well just... <laughs> like, yeah, I just, think that's what a, happens, right? It's a curiosity thing. You sit there browsing, trying to find the perfect one. And after a while, you're like, oh. This will do. I, the, the first one I was looking at was actually the best. Now I... <laughs> Now my history is so full, I can't. Can't even remember. Yeah, it's just it's it's not even possible to scroll down that far. <laughs> no, but last year I didn't watch porn the whole year. Well, that's pretty. Amazing. And this year I've dramatically. I haven't doing that, back. but I've yeah dramatically cut back. Um, and yeah, man, it has really improved the sex life. Well, that's cool to know. Um, I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to do it. I'm sorry. There's no alternative here. Yeah, yeah, even right. it's even just, just a week, you'll okay, notice you'll the difference. Notice it. Yeah, because I, I think that you've actually really stumbled onto something here. You you don't see it as you, you're denying yourself something. You're gaining something, and as soon as you have that in your head, the whole like there's actual motivation to it. Denying yourself something is a really sure-fired way to make sure that you end up doing it. And best mm. of both worlds, feel bad about it when it's happening. That's an added plus. Yeah, and then and then because you feel bad, you, you want to wallow in self pity, and then you think, oh, hey, if I can get a dopamine hit, that'll get me out of this rut. Yeah. And what do you use for the dopamine hit? The bad thing that you were trying to avoid. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Well, that was a that was a good amount of banter. It wasn't really bantery at the end. It was just was a, sad. It was a good amount of casual <laughs> banter, which uh, will lead into what I think is a very serious topic. <laughs> it's a lot sadder than what we were talking about. Oh, okay, thanks. Great. <laughs> yeah, what have we got? So, uh, I'm sure a lot of you who are listening to this are probably already aware of this, and I'm not sure when this podcast will be released, and I'm not sure if it will still be in the news, but I think about a week ago, a French teacher was teaching some students about freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And to display this, he uh, showed a picture of the Charlie Hebdo cartoon of Muhammad, which is the Islamic prophet, and it's forbidden to depict the prophet. 
and an 18-year-old boy, one of his students, decapitated him and live-streamed it on Facebook. He's since been um, captured by the authorities. I think he, he was actually shot. And Macron, the French president, has really gone on the attack and he has already made a few changes to the law. So there's a big population of uh, predominantly Muslims that are homeschooling their kids in France, 50,000, and he's banning homeschooling from next year. Whoa. Yeah. He he authorized a display of some of those Charlie Hebdo cartoons on a large skyscraper somewhere in France. And there's also there's been um, the Turkish president had a lot of strong words to say about him. There's there's this boycott France movement in some Middle Eastern countries. Um, the Turkish president was pro Macron or anti? No, no, anti, saying that he's really? I thought discriminating that he was like against atheist as fuck. Muslims Maybe are. I'm wrong. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Yeah. And then there was an attack at a church where a uh, a priest was also beheaded. And two other people were killed in a knife attack. And then just yesterday, a a minister at an Orthodox church was um, assaulted. And I assume they were trying to kill him, but they failed in doing so. So, tensions are high in France. Oh, they always are. Um, and... I just wanted to talk about the that situation in particular and what seems to be a very hot-button talking point, especially for people like Sam Harris, who actually became... He was already famous, became even more famous when he had that chat with Bill Maher and Ben Affleck on, on Bill Maher's program a few years ago. And really just talk about not specifically Islam and free expression, but any ideology and, and free expression. Because I even made a post on, a, on an Instagram story and, well, I got a lot of reactions, mostly positive, a lot of people saying, thank you for talking about this, thank you for saying this. I was in favor. I was basically saying that, because there's been a lot of justifications for that beheading. People saying, well, if you keep provoking them, that's what's going to happen, or... You know, you're discriminating, you're being, ins- in, you're being deliberately insulting, you're being disrespectful. In our religion, it's, it's um, considered blasphemous to illustrate the prophet in any way. And that's fine if that's what you believe, but in no way does it justify a beheading. And that's insane to even justify that. And so I made a pretty passionate post in my Instagram story and... Uh, mostly got positive reactions. A few people told me that I was mistaken and that there are some lines that you don't cross. And first of all, yeah, I but did get they your actually even have on. an argument? Or no, they didn't, did they? Okay, so the general arguments that I'm receiving are that one, this is Islamophobic, that what? it's insulting to our religion. So why do it? Uh, you are being deliberately provocative when illustrating a depiction of the prophet. So something like that is expected to happen. Uh, And then there are a lot of articles in mainstream media talking about how, you know, is France's crackdown on Islamic terror stoking more Islamic terror? 
And, you know, I basically agree with the Sam Harris view on this, which is it's it's obscene to really kowtow to these sorts of sensitivities. And freedom of expression, especially artistic expression, is paramount in a free society. And there should be no excuses about justifying a, a beheading. I mean, violence is one thing. A beheading is probably the most gruesome, brutal form of violence that can be committed against a single person. So I really can't say this. It is in many ways a failure of, I know we don't like using this paradigm here, but the left, because they'll be the first ones to call out Christians, for being stupid, for being brainwashed and mocking them, making fun of them. As soon as it comes to Islam, no, that's off limits. No, they can't handle that. You can't make fun of them. They can't handle that. And one of uh, the people Sam Harris often talks about, Majid Nawaz calls it the bigotry of low expectations, which is the idea that, no, these people should not be held to the same standard that every other religion or ideology is held to which is ostensibly what it seems to be let's have a different standard for this particular religion because they're they have every religion every ideology has a sacred cow of some sort yet this one is particularly sacred which is a, it's it's crazy now look i personally wouldn't draw muhammad but i would never justify any any sort of violence against a satirist, a cartoonist or a teacher who's trying to teach the students about freedom of expression you know it's it is it's victim blaming is what it is in the same way when people talk about how no matter what a woman is wearing she's never asking to be raped no one is ever asking to be beheaded and you are you are severely brainwashed and you are narcissistic i really think it's it's narcissism this is not about discrimination you are asking for special treatment discrimination would be i'm not going to employ you because you're a muslim okay no you are asking for special treatment you're saying what you are sensitive about is particularly special so that should be off limits for satirists and comedians I mean, look at the, an, an argument I made against someone who messaged me, and look, credit to him, it was a very respectful disagreement, but he was saying basically the same sort of thing. This is very offensive for the Muslim community. There are two billion Muslims out there. And I said, well, you know, I'm deeply offended by the way all religions talk about non-believers. And when I talk to my Christian friends, they'll say things like, oh, you're lost. Or, you know, you the way non-believers are talked to that they're going to hell, the devil is inside of them. I'm offended by that. I don't expect to be protected by the government. I respect everyone's right to adhere to their faith and, and their ideology, assuming there aren't any direct calls to violence. They have every right to be offensive and to upset people and to insult people. But to suggest that you're what you are upset and sensitive about is particularly special. That's not, that's not fighting against discrimination. That is asking for special treatment. And you know what? I was thinking about this today. I really think it's a sort of collective form of emotional abuse because there's a large swath of the you know, progressive cultural left 
that are highly empathetic people, empathetic towards anyone who is suffering and oppression wherever they see it. And you are weaponizing that empathy. You are saying, well, the only reason that beheading occurred is because they were provoked. In the same way, an abusive husband will say, well, the only reason I hit you is because you provoked me. No. Okay, this should be just very widely condemned, especially by people who are artists. Yet no one wants to talk about it because, well, for obvious reasons. But I want to hear your uh, opinion on it. Because I'm sure you also know about the Charlie Hebdo cartoons that occurred a few years ago and then there was a well, quite a, a literal gun rampage through the Charlie Hebdo offices. Well, you know what I think it is? And, man, I can't wait to get clipped out of context for this one. But France is, like, a really, really good example of, like, migration happening too fast. And also not providing the right resources when you're doing it. So if you are taking people that are from third world countries where like that is the norm, that that is like, because like think about it from this perspective, right? When I was in Pakistan, you know that like blasphemy is a capital punishment there. So you can just say to your neighbor, uh, this guy here said something bad about Allah. Mm. That guy's house gets confiscated. They have to go to prison. Usually they go all the way up to the Supreme Court and because in the so Supreme no- Court, there's like they're highly educated people that are in the Supreme Court and they'll just like quietly dismiss it and it'll go away. So clearly there's no presumption of innocence there. Oh, Christ, no. Once you're, once you're as accused of blasphemy, that's the end of the road for you. Yeah. It's like the, we, every society has those taboos. It's just like the varying degree of them, right? Every society does have sacred cows and, and, and taboos and social taboos are always going to exist. And we'll get into a broader discussion of free speech and free expression. I want to talk about that. But I'm not arguing against whether or not it's um, it shows a lack of empathy if you're deliberately doing something that you know will offend people, I'm saying that offence does not justify a beheading. Yeah, obviously. That's obscene. No, it's insane and like it's... And especially... You know what else is really insane about it? Let's be perfectly clear about this. It's an image and it's an image about something that in all likelihood is completely imaginary. And someone died... Because of, and and like, even if you're just going to take away the religious aspect of it, someone died because of like somebody drawing down some lines. A doodle. Yeah, a doodle. And he's not even, and it's, it's even more removed from that because he was using it as an example of someone else drawing it. It's so weird to me that people are sitting there saying like, well, you were provoking him. That's such that, that's such a weird. I suppose, like you know, like it, with, with every with every one of those discussions of what is and isn't acceptable behavior in society, there is always going to be people that are saying that you know that, that, that there's going to be people that are taking the other side of that argument. But I would imagine that, like, I I can't imagine anybody, and like even the ones that you were just talking about then, coming up with an actual intelligible argument to support that. 
Because there is certain circumstances where you can support like a taboo or whatever that's in a society and you, you will have like an argument for it and people just won't want to accept it and they'll clamp down on the taboo more. Uh-huh. But it's just this kind of thing of like, even if you're going through like a biblical sense of it, does the punishment really fit the crime in that scenario? And you are you are allowed to have an argument against why that shouldn't be culturally permissible. So why it should be shamed or why even the publication that uh, created those cartoons should be boycotted, peacefully protested against, but beheaded. You are justifying a beheading. So, and also, how like, can you not look inwards and suggest that, hey, maybe I need therapy? Yeah, if, even if you think that's acceptable. God. Especially when, like, the guy was 18. What, he's a scholar in Islam, is he? <laughs> so stupid. Like, I, I have the authority at 18 to take away someone's life. Like, I'm, I'm, that, I'm, I'm that rational and intelligent a human being above everybody else. Um, yeah, obviously it's, 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 it's very stupid, but the fact that that it's always coming out of France, that is definitely because of neoliberal policies that have been instilled there where they've just done that flood of migration from certain cultures that are, dude, they just are backwards. Like go to Pakistan. People that are from Pakistan will say exactly the same thing. Go to Pakistan, come to Australia. The fact that we have sewerage for everyone here shows that there's like a bit more advancement in this society. I liked Pakistan. I thought everyone there was like nicer than they are in Australia. I think people in Australia are like on average more cunts than they are. But like, you know, with poverty comes a lack of education and with a lack of education comes people beheading people for a fucking like cartoon, you know? So like the thing about it is that like when when these things are happening, because that's exactly what happened in France, like they just flooded in a huge amount of migrants from countries that were third world. Okay, can I yeah. can I stop you there for a second? The argument, I, I agree, but the argument against that could also be there are many countries that are poor. There are many poor people and poor immigrants in certain countries. Not all of them are beheading people for cartoons. No. So this is where it gets very politically incorrect. <clears throat> but you know what? I really think Sam Harris is correct on on this issue. No, that's true. When but like, yeah, but the- with like a lack of education, there's like a direct correlation between lack of education and violence. Like it's just like that's true. how there's like more prisoners. If, if you're a prisoner, you will have on average a way smaller vocabulary than a CEO. Of course. Right? So it's just the same thing is happening. It's just like... It is, this is not an argument against migration. This is an argument against the fact that if you are going to have immigrants, you do need to, like, educate them and integrate them into the population properly. And the best – maybe there's a better way of doing it than just allowing, like, dumping in a lot very quickly and not putting in adequate resources to, like, you know, integrating them into the culture that they're currently in. So because you wouldn't have this, like, response. That that wouldn't be happening if there was, like, a better government policy around that. Does the neoliberalism come from the fact that people at the helm of corporations wanted cheaper labour? Well, it's the same reason why it's happening here as well. Like, there's the migration rate ever since Howard in Australia has doubled. It doubled as soon as he came in. There was no actual economic or environmental reason for that like the the amount of migration that's coming into this country is getting outstripped by the economic benefit that is happening there yep. the reason that it's happening is because ceos of coals and stuff like that just want an easy way to say to their shareholders 
you know, profits increased by 2% this year. Well, yeah, if you're a supermarket and the population increased by 2% that year, like your profits are going to increase by 2%. Mm. It's like a really easy, lazy way of getting corporate profits to uh, increase, right? So there's a lot of pressure on Western countries to increase migration, not not at a, a level that is like sustainable or acceptable to this culture. And like France has gotten to the point where like, man, the studies that I read about this, this is not like a controversial thought either. This is just exactly what you learn in politics. Like when you're when you're at university and stuff like that there's just no go zones in france like that, that's that. not a good no. sign of a, like a healthy a society you know? especially in paris from what i've heard yeah like there's places where it's it's not even there's this thing of like there's like a, yeah there's places where like ambulances and police will refuse to go so they've, they've essentially just become like these little principalities that's, hor- that's horrific yeah it's a really scary straight so like uh, every time you always hear that this is coming from France, this is this is like a this is not in a power vacuum. This is because of now. Is it all politics though, or is does culture have something to do with this? Because again, I come back. So I do not want to. Because as soon as you talk about this, you get accused of being you know discriminatory and look. No, because right. there's like, dude, there's Islamic there's a- cultures that are like not. There's Islamic cultures that are re- really peaceful and nice, like. You, you walk around Malaysia, for instance, that's Islamic. You don't feel scared for your life once when you're there. Okay, so is there something particularly pernicious about the immigration into France? Yeah, it's from, like, different countries. And different countries, obviously, are going to have different cultures. But, like, uh, like, okay, the only Islamic countries that I've been in are, like, Indonesia and Malaysia and uh, uh, Qatar right but like all three of them it's like a very different type of islam that is being trained is being taught there you know and like there's a different feeling to it oh and obviously pakistan as well like it's not like it's just the religion that exists in a vacuum that religion is instilled onto a culture that was already there and then yeah. like it kind of just mixes in That's on itself true. and becomes like a hybrid. And it's like no, Bhutan. And, and Bhutan was... is like a really poor country, but they're like the nicest people you'll ever meet in your life. Like sure. it's not like they're it's not like poverty, as you were saying, necessarily means you're going to be angry, but like the aggr- uh, you're gonna be aggressive, but the aggregate is, and like this is just self evident in like low socioeconomic areas as opposed to high socioeconomic areas. Like there's going to be more crime normally. Mm. And this is where you get into some really 4chan level uh, conversation here, but I have seen graphs. Now, I don't, these were on the internet. don't know how reputable they are. That do show differences between races when controlled for poverty and the crime rate. Maybe. But look, the thing is that I'll also say about this is like, I understand that there's also that counter argument where it's just like, some races are just dumber than other races. And it's just like, so that's a reason to deny them access to hospitals and education. That's 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 another thing that like mm, happens in issue. neoliberal cultures happen, right? The issue that is just, are we able to talk about this honestly without the fear that it will stoke some sort of discrimination? It always does though. So that's the problem. Look, yeah, because I think, yeah, it's not, th- this is not like a point of like this is a discrimination against a race this is just about like just 
like it's it's so obvious. This is very self evident. The fact that you grew up in in fucking like uh, St George area, and the fact that I grew up in like the eastern suburbs and rural Australia means that we've been exposed to different ideas and values. Just by that, just by the fact of like, just where you geographically grew up, there is going to be a small culture that grows up there. Now, obviously, we're going to have more in common with each other than say, I I don't know, like Eskimos or something like that. Yeah. But like, it's just insane to sit there and say that there's going to be like, you know, cultures are just going to see eye to eye automatically when they're just like in meeting with one another. Like, I, I really hate how you always just have to dance around that point. I'm not even talking about like when it comes to like the differences in intelligence in races and things like that because I just think that like the the science behind that's like pretty patchy but like it's it, there's definitely there's no argument about that cultures are different it's like very obvious by looking at like clothing and like music and shit well, that's that's definitely trickable. yeah cultures are obviously very different my question would then be once you control for things like uh, education level and um, poverty and just a general standard of living are there then different ideologies that are encompassing a certain geographical area that then lead to an increase in violence antisocial behavior anything we would consider negative outcomes and if that is the case why isn't it spoken about honestly and why isn't it fairly criticized as would be any other Supposed ideal toxic masculinity is criticised, even though not every man. Yeah, that's an ideology, right? But it's considered a culture, so it's it's very easily criticised. It comes down to this power idea that well, well, men had power or something, but which they look they did, but like the fact that it, you're willing to say it's so dishonest that these people on that side of the culture wars will will be willing to say, you know, it's a culture when it comes to men. That's why there's male violence against women. It's a culture. Yes, not every man commits violence. And that's the that's the common retort. Well, not every man is a rapist. But the argument against that is it's a pervasive culture that is instilled into all men. Now, I don't necessarily agree with all those talking points, but I'm willing to listen to that argument and to respect that in the realm of discourse yet when it comes to certain religions when you say when their response is oh that's not the religion it's one violent person why can't you say no it could actually be the religion contributing to that yeah well that's it's it's really like it's just just those annoying double standards that exist in society and i don't really know but this, see, the thing is, like, they're just instilling their own ideology onto the subject anyway, aren't they? Like, people that read Junkie, for instance, that's sort of a religion, if you're going to, like, strip it back. Or, you, like, oh, like, that's why that, I like that the term point, ideology. Right? Ideology. Like, it's mm. a certain ideology that they're mm. just, like, using to imprint their view of how these things are, like, going at play. Mm. And everyone, the, but the, that's my... I guess, vision, if you will, of free discourse is that everyone's allowed to have their ideology, but then people are allowed to say that ideology is stupid and the things that that ideology may hold sacred are stupid. I personally wouldn't say that. Again, this is where 
there's this huge disconnect between people who support free speech. I'm by no means a free speech absolutist, but if you say, you know, I think there shouldn't be legal ramifications for offensive or very subjectively hateful speech, that's not me being completely heartless and saying there isn't speech that can really emotionally hurt people, nor should there not be social taboos, or should we culturally enforce a code of, you know, decorum and ethics that applies to everyone? What I'm saying is that there shouldn't be a sort of legal framework that creates boundaries as to what is acceptable speech. Now, again, I say I'm not a free speech absolutist because there's obvious things there like a direct call to violence. Um, and then things like slander and libel. And I think that should be dealt with with civil courts and not necessarily should be a criminal act. But anyway, now I'm going into more of the issue of just general free speech and free expression there. But there's there's, there's just this lack of understanding when people say things, you know, there's this often people will try to get this, have this gotcha moment when it comes with conservatives or people on the right where they're maybe saying, hey, I don't like the way this uh, left-wing person, and I use these terms left or right, talking about the culture wars here. I don't like the way this left-wing person says these things about America. And then the the proponents of that ideology will say things, well, I thought you were in favor of free speech. No, being in favor of free speech doesn't mean you're not allowed to be offended or upset or disagree with people. It means there shouldn't be a policeman knocking at your door saying, hey, you made this offensive tweet. You are under arrest. Mm. And I think a lot of people don't actually understand that. Right, right. Okay. You know what it is? Well, it's stupidity. That's what it is. Well, it's like it's definitely stupidity. Like, yeah, it's it's stupidity, but it's... And there's two ha- factors at play there when, like, uh, all, all of those cases of people, like, arguing against free speech or, get, like, getting so offended by something that they're willing to behead someone. And it is just, like, it's what you were saying before. It's, like, it's, it's delusion and narcissism colliding at once. It's, like, real personal failures in someone else. And that's why I don't, like, I understand that ideologies have a play and they, they, they do something to your mind. And they kind of, you use them as like an umbrella to justify things in the first place. But I think at the core of it, it's just like, these are just, people like that. Yeah, the the ideology might be like adding fuel to the fire, but there is definitely a fire there and someone being deluded enough to do that in the first place. As you were saying before, right? Like there's 2 billion Muslims the vast majority of them aren't doing that. There's like, yes. a, so there's, so there's like definitely like a, and I think that like when, when well, most of these people are getting it. into those arguments, it's, it's like deluded people getting in an argument with other deluded people. And they're just like constantly trying to enforce their own dogma onto the other person and just hitting that wall. Well, we have a bias towards how many people actually adhere to the same ideology we do. So, there's studies out there that show Christians overestimate how many Christians are actually out there in society, and that goes for almost any ideology. Um, so I think if you've grown up in one of these no-go zones, for example, just a very homogenous area in a supposedly multicultural country, 
and you've only ever been exposed to people who agree with you and are parroting the same ideology, then suddenly someone does something blasphemous and you think, how the hell can people be okay with this? Because you've lived in an enclave your entire life. Yeah. It's that thing that you go all the way back to, what's that, you know, that parable of the people who live in the cave and can only ever see shadows and they're living in the in a cave yeah yeah and suddenly they're exposed to the real world and they think how could people offend my sensibilities like this yeah because the real world has adults in it right so it's just like yeah it's a really incestuous little bubble and that's always what happens doesn't it like yeah small incestuous bubbles breed small minds and should they venture out of that little bubble they start causing problems it's just a bizarre, and and to see that you know, n- not many people are really obviously someone like Sam is vocal about it on Twitter, but it's just to me maybe I'm overestimating how fearful that is, but yeah, it's weird. No, no, there's no. You never behead someone. Can we all agree on that? Yeah. And there's no justification for a no, beheading. No. Even if you're defending yourself, maybe you punch someone, maybe you shoot them. You don't even behead them then. <laughs> beheading is the it is a very vicious attack. Yeah. And the it's optics really of that of are as aggressive heinous. and as yes, heinous and malevolent as you get to cut someone's head off. Now, yes, you you always need to add the uh, add that caveat of yeah. Look, I I know the vast majority of Muslims are peaceful and understand the laws of Australia, but I'm not. But I think a large swath do justify they they're justifying this. They're saying, well, if it wasn't you shouldn't be provoking us. Yeah, if they just say These like, are the yeah, yeah, I'm I personally anyway. wouldn't do it, but I'm justifying that. It, it's always it should be condemned, but well, there's no but. There's no but for a beheading. How is there a? Yeah, you're right. It's it's actually really inbred thinking. No, yeah, that's the result of like thousands of years of uncontested ideas. Yes, that's. So that's the, that's it. exactly why free speech is really important. <laughs> like, because that's what happens. Because that's what happens. Like, it's, it's, that's whole thing. Like, justifying a beheading. Yeah, you could probably link it back to that. Like, if if blasphemy is a capital offence in your country, there's going to be a lot of ignorance in that country. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, and, and and the concept of free expression is not some utopia where everyone can just speak their truth and no one ever gets hurt. No, it's messy. There's going to be people upsetting you. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be confronted. You're going to be offended. Unless it is a direct call to violence, It I can't see any other situation where it's a criminal offense. Now, dealing with minors, I would be open to some sort of restrictions there. If a child is being incessantly bullied... I would still say I think it should be up to the institutions that are responsible for that child. It's up to the school or the sport team or whatever it might be, but it shouldn't be the police. And I got some people sending me messages saying, 
well, there's a law against making fun of the Holocaust. We'll get rid of it. Yeah, wait. And I would what? be in favor of that. Who? I don't know. I can't. I can't. Uh, what was their point? Well, they're saying, well, people say free speech, but like if you criticize the government, you go to jail or something. And I'm like, well, well, that's not free speech. Does that happen? Well, about? Yeah, if if that's true, I and I agree. But has that happened in France? Well, but you criticize the government, you, you go, go to jail. jail. Oh, like sedition laws. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't if imagine the that case, they'd still I be want, active in France, maybe. But I, I, want, I don't know. Then I'd be in favor of getting rid of them as well. But it No, just, it's stupid. It's exactly the same thing. Noam Chomsky always dies on this hill, and it's just amazing like what uh, they've used to smear him on that, which is that I can't remember who it was, but somebody in the 80s wrote a book about how the Holocaust didn't happen or it was over-exaggerated or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were taken to jail, and then there was just this huge fanfare across Europe about what a triumph this is of civility and all this kind of stuff. And Chomsky was one of the only prominent people at the time that was like, this is like, this this is actually like really bad. Yeah, because <laughs> this is like the death of free speech right because there. Because the like, precedent, it's as good as that particular situation may have been, the precedent it sets can so easily turn into an Orwellian nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Like, And it's so stupid as well because like this is the whole thing. Like you can then just start using it. As, dude, it just becomes like the blasphemy laws then. You can just basically say anyone is like, you're a Holocaust denier. Like that, and you know, like the... It's just that thing that I'm always talking about why I hate labels because you can just slap that on someone and yeah. then instantly they're characterized as that and then that's the end of them. Yeah, and I, and then I want to actually add that because I know I've been saying left and right in this situation. I think for the culture wars, I think it's okay to say left and yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I also will acknowledge they're not you know monolithic groups either. There's plenty of disagreement and different views on the left spectrum of the culture wars and the right spectrum of the culture wars. Like, it's just, that's so weird to me. I can't, like, I hate that every time you point that out, that, uh, uh, like, like getting ultra offended by a cartoon to the point of killing or something like that is Islamophobic. It's, again, one of these, like, little tools that they use over and over to just, like, turn something around without actually having an argument to back it up. Like, you could, if you actually had something to say to refute that, you wouldn't be using that label. You just refute the argument. Well, they... But you just sit there and... It's the same thing of just being like, Holocaust denier, Islamophobe. Like, it's that. It's... That's what I find so infuriating about it. It's just like, just by saying that, you're showing that you're an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> and who's actually, if it's a phobia, who's actually fearful in that situation? The person who's so scared of a cartoon that they need to behead someone. That's the person who has the phobia. Yeah. That's the person with the psychological issue there. Yeah, yeah. But I I, I think that like... Uh, and really, yeah. The, actually, now that, now that you've pointed that out to me, because I've always just sat there and just taken it for granted. That like, yeah, yeah, obviously you should have free speech. I don't actually ever really think about what the importance of it is. Because I, I don't know. I hate how it, like, just gets talked about so much in the US. Um, and so, like, I'm just constantly hearing about it. I'm kind of sick of it. But, dude, that point of just being able to challenge someone's delusion, that's actually the the important point of free speech. It's not like this thing of just being like, I get to express myself. No, it's actually 
Because if there was free speech in those societies, there probably wouldn't be beheadings, like of a teacher or something like that. If yeah. if it was just normal, where you could just sit there and and like criticizing anything and anyone, and like you know constantly trying to find taboos and break the boundaries and stuff. Yeah. Like and it's messy. The, the shock would wear off. That's true because it's it's yes, it's not this rosy utopia where everyone holds hands and no one ever offends anyone. No. You have to be willing to have your views challenged in order to get closer to the truth. Now, and, and, and it's especially saddening when I see people in the arts, specifically comedians, who don't... I'm not saying they need to talk about it constantly, but... They need to be in favour of this. I mean, if we start bringing in laws... Well, look, if you look at the... There's actually are anti-discrimination laws in Australia, and they're very vague. They're From the last time I looked at it, which granted was a few years ago, they were uh, speech that intimidates, bullies, or harasses. I remember those three words specifically. Bullies, intimidates, harasses. How subjective is that? Yeah. Based on race, gender, and all that sort of stuff. You know... Especially with the sort of stuff you're doing now, if there were blasphemy laws, you could have easily been arrested. Oh yeah, the I would have been killed easily, easily killed. So, you know, bully that could be seen as what you're doing about John Barillara could so easily be legally seen as bullying. Yeah. Well, it tick all those boxes for sure. Yeah, you could get, easily put it in there. Get rid of those laws completely. So, no. as a brown guy with a fucking beard, get rid of the anti-discrimination laws. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's... They do more harm than good. Let you, social you know, taboos you know what? work like their cause. Yeah, it's, it's, man. It's that thought of, like, thought control. Thought control, so you don't have to actually police the public. They're kind of just policing themselves, and then it just becomes so ingrained, especially over generations and stuff like that, that uh, that, that thought is just like completely bred out of society. So you're never really challenging anything. You're not challenging power. You're not challenging... Because that, that's the whole thing. Like, if those laws were strong and they were strong like they were in a country like Pakistan. Say that like our their version of blasphemy, our version of it would just be like, yeah, bullying or discrimination or something like that. And they were really powerful. And I was taken out. I would not be taken out because I was being a bully. That would be a pretext that they would use to silence me. And in fact, that's what exactly. the media is doing at the moment. But it's 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 just, more like it's it's well, just beheading. a bigger political tool. No, they're not beheading, but like they're they're doing the same thing. Like uh, Christo the other day just ran into. What do you the, mean they're doing this same thing? Like okay, so they're not beheading you. No, they're not. No, no, no but like the, the the I think that that beheading thing was the result of, and there's like more brutal things that are happening there. Uh, in those societies that are, that are making sure that those thoughts are eradicated and strengthened. But there's still this thing of thought control. And I think that what happens is when you've been so heavily indoctrinated in something and then someone challenges that, your reaction to that is like 
very, very strong. Yeah. Like, that's what happens to people that are always in cults and things like that. When someone's, like, in Scientology or something like that. Your fight or flight mechanism quite literally kicks in. It kicks in. And the fight is violence. The fight's violence, yeah. Mm. So, like, if that happens, like... That's why the people need to be challenged. If they've been... They need to be challenged. If they've come from this culture that hasn't... That has had blasphemy laws for hundreds of years... Then that needs to be. If anything needs to be challenged, it's that. It's that. It's so weird that they're like on the front lines as well. It's so ironic as well that France was the birthplace of all those philosophical ideas. It's very strange. Yeah. <laughs> like they were really the 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 where where the modern idea of free speech originally originated. Yeah. So, it's, I don't know how that happened, but there you go. Legalité, I'm pretty sure that's the term they use. <laughs> yeah. The liberty and... Yeah, man. Was so- it... It came a lot from the French Revolution, right? Yeah. Or was it a pretext to that? No, that's... Well, if they... Look, it was sort of the... Now that I think about it, really, it was just the propaganda of the time, like it is with everything else. But still, that's where it came from. Uh, and it was pretty much just a reason for the military to overthrow the monarchy. But they were coaxing it in those ideas. Uh-huh. I suppose, actually, really, it's just the birthplace of American imperialism. <laughs> like, just invasions in the name of freedom. <laughs> it's like, that's that's really what it was going to. But still, okay, like, philosophers yeah, and stuff like that, that started that. talking about yeah. the ideas of freedom back then. Yeah, okay. Whereas before that, and that was not... Well, liberalism as a school of thought had that came from the 1600s. John Locke first introduced that, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, obviously these things are then borrowed from like a long chain of philosophy that goes back to like Socrates yes. and shit. But yeah, yeah, like in its modern, modern incarnation. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know. That's that's. Uh, did you actually really? I'm actually really. Uh, Interested now that you brought that up, dude. The the re- free speech is actually not. It's it's not like a. It's actually not so much a gift as it is a responsibility. Yeah, it shouldn't be seen as a gift at all. It's uh, uh what comes with it is the ability for other people to challenge you and offend you and upset you. But I think that is the point. Well, what's his name? The is the liberal guy that actually said that. And back then, I thought, oh, how how could he say that? But he said, in Australia, people have the right to be bigots. Oh, yeah, I remember thinking that as well. I like, can't believe that. But yeah, yeah no, but he, he was just like, yeah, no, he's if right. If it's verbal bigotry, if that bigotry doesn't result in discriminatory actions, then yeah, they do. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. Because, you, because then you get into a, a conversation about cultural relativism, and that goes down a very messy rabbit hole where oh all cultures are equal they're just different and we're biased because we've been brought up and th- th- there is a truth to that because we've been brought up and taught to think a certain way we're going to be inherently biased towards that but i'm not saying that shouldn't be criticized what i'm saying is that it has to lie within the realm of speech and never get into actions such as beheading <laughs> really quite simple it's not it's not hard and then, and then, you know, they're correct that uh, that uh, Yasmin, who said those things on Anzac Day a few years ago, she has every right to say that. 
but then everyone else has every right to say that was deeply offensive and you should lose your job. What they don't have a right to do is behead her. I keep repeating this, but like, as soon as it gets to a beheading, you've crossed the line. Like, no, okay, the line wasn't crossed when the cartoon was drawn. The line was crossed when someone's head was cut off. Yeah. No, no, I'm not even being facetious. This poor teacher is just trying to teach and has had to endure the, and his family and everything, the whole school. It's really a tragedy. And I understand there is a big hypocrisy there on both sides because then people on the right of the culture wars will get upset with certain uh, things that culturally left institutions might say and expect not necessarily laws but restrictions on what can be said. No, it has to go both both ways. But uh, hypocrisy is, yes, that's a blemish on people on people's integrity. But it still doesn't go. Come back to this guy. <laughs> Hypocrisy is different to a beheading. Yeah. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I call out the hop. I will call out the hypocrisy, but I will definitely call out a beheading. <laughs> wow. This yeah. podcast should just be called "Beheading is Bad." Yeah, let's do that because people somehow don't fucking know that. And and again, there's like yes, of course, there's been we we all of this doesn't exist in a void. There has been a horrific. Uh, militaristic American foreign policy, particularly targeted towards Middle Eastern nations, that has definitely led to radicalization. Hell, if I was a kid in Middle East and my family got bloody drone striked, of course I'd want to fucking kill Americans. Having said that, that's also not an excuse for violence. You have to there's never an excuse for violence, no matter what has happened to you. And I hope, in the same way I said in a previous podcast, I hope if I am a politician and a Chinese businessman bribes me with $3 million. I hope I have the integrity. I've never been in that situation, but I hope if I am, I have the integrity to say no. In the same way, I hope if uh, horrible things happen to me or my family or people I love and care about, I still stick to these values that I'm espousing. Having said that, I've never been in that position. What, seeking vengeance or whatever? Yeah, I mean, if my family was drone-striked, I hope I can still live by the mantra of non-violence and violence is not the answer. Right, 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 right. But I wouldn't, I, again, I hope. Hmm. Unless you're in that position, it's very easy to judge. No, but it's, it's actually really easy to judge in that situation as well. Like the, the in the beheading one, it's really not the same, is it? Like obviously yeah, that, guy, that, that guy clearly grew up in France. Uh, well, I, yeah, look, I can't verify. I don't know. It's a Chechen. So I think that's the Chechnya. Yeah. Where That's the little place near Russia, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, they were Chechen. So it's not even Middle Eastern. The, 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 the guy the, that beheaded was Chechen, were they? Yeah. I didn't even know they were Muslim. They actually would be, though, wouldn't they? Because that whole region... And Khabib is, is more, yeah, right. Conor okay. Mc, Conor McGregor made fun of his faith, I think, and he got bashed. But that okay, that's where violence is okay when it's an organised combat sport. All right, there we go. That's one. That's another instance where violence is okay. It's an organised contact sport. Consenting adults want to bash each other's heads in. To be 
a very rich, powerful man. You know what? It's probably a good trade-off. You lose a few brain cells. If you're not a particularly... If you you can you know lose a few brain cells to become a multimillionaire, that's you know <laughs> do that. You know it's really weird though. It's actually making me pretty grateful thinking about where I live now. There'd be huge swaths of the world of where that's just like totally no one's okay. And also the like going back to that the, your point of just like people saying that like you don't understand this is very offensive in Islam. No, we get it. Like, why are you even saying that? I think they just want to say it because they have the compulsion to defend the idea in their head. I think that's that Islam enough. is a good thing. That so okay. so anything that un, un, that that is even remotely linked to it, they they just have this compulsion. Again, it goes back to ego of just like what you're attaching to yourself. So you have this compulsion to defend it. Yeah, and you can defend it. I mean, this is not. That's not where I... It's just this constant obfuscation of when I say the beheading shouldn't be justified, oh, so you're saying it's not offensive. I never said that. It probably is offensive to a lot of Muslims out there. What's more offensive is the fact that you're justifying... Anyway, I've said that 10 times on this podcast, but... Yeah, you're allowed to be offended and upset at things and then challenge, you know... I've probably got some biases and ideologies that I'm unaware of. When you're in, when you, when you adhere to an ideology, you don't think it's an ideology. You think it's the truth. So, yeah, maybe that's what I've, they're saying. Maybe that's the critical. They're, they're saying like, it's this is going. They're not. They're, it's not so much a justification. It's kind of just like if you're just around people that are that conditioned from those societies. They're going to respond in that way, so you probably shouldn't show the Islam picture, so you don't get beheaded. Which yeah. I suppose, like, if you're going to well, say that, yeah, fair. Then it's a but warning. Also, but then I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do it. But <laughs> I respect. Yeah, I know. But I will defend anyone who does do it and respect their right to do it. Having said that, if like thousands of people did it, I can't behead all of us. Yeah. Well, I suppose that was Actually, like Macron's reasoning, can. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Probably. I don't know. I'd have to. Um, uh, I did read a few things. But he definitely did that thing about the. Uh, he's he's trying to push an initiative that puts more moderate imams into mosques. Now, again, then you could make the argument well, you're curtailing their free speech. That's actually true i may not even agree with that initiative because if the radical if the the preacher that's considered radical isn't actually calling for violence they have the right to preach whatever crazy ideas they want to preach i reckon that's probably what they are doing though if it is violence and if you can show it's violence and if it's a clear and if it's a direct call to violence then that's illegal yeah and i think that should be illegal that's probably what they're going to replace with in terms of moderate yeah so think about, I guess, the test for ourselves would be think about something we're as passionate about as possible. Okay. The most corrupt liberal politician, uh, you know, he's, let's say decimates some sort of service industry and then someone from that service industry beheads him. Would you say, well, if he hadn't been so corrupt, then he wouldn't have gotten beheaded? Would you ever say that? Hang on. What's the situation? I just I'm just kind of throwing things out here, but 
a very, very the most corrupt liberal politician. Yeah. Gets then gets beheaded. Beheaded. Oh, right. No, in terms of that, dude, no. But the, it's, again, I think it just comes down to education because, look, if I didn't know much and I was just taught something is you know like they're they're the enemy or something like that like yeah i i I reckon that in that situation it's just in terms of like what has been instilled into my head i can see myself at a point just being like yeah fucking cut their head off you know but like the fact that i'm just like way more educated on the subject and just being like dude like if if the if the system is set up in such a way there's always going to be some cunt that just like replaces them why would you do that anyway like it's not going to like accomplish anything and then on top of that, like, again, I really don't think the punishment for diverting millions of tax dollars is, like, to get out a tiny little rusty Stanley knife and just do that for half an hour, you know? Like, <laughs> no, it's, no, it's, uh, the, 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 other, the, other, the other difference, though, that I will say is, I gotta say, the punishment is closer to the crime because the difference is when you're doing like corruption, <laughs> you actually are resulting in people dying. Like you're taking money out of hospitals and shit like that. But the difference is like when it comes to like a cartoon, that's that's completely fucking imaginary. So, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's like there's a gray distinction between like a real world impact, right? So, for instance, I'll say, like if you're okay, saying okay, like okay. this, for I'll instance, say like, you if could, like I think you can say corruption is a far more immoral act than a cartoon <laughs> but you can't say oh and therefore it's closer to being justified for a beheading well i think beheading like, needs to be out of the equation yeah, no no it's out of the equation but i'm saying that like you, you're always looking at it does the punishment fit the crime i think the crime for uh the, the crime for corruption is jail time That's i think that the crime for showing a cartoon is nothing like <laughs> nothing should happen to you for showing a cartoon. There's like a, there's physical. a difference in that, right? But then, like you know, there, there's also the other thing of um, it does get to the point. I don't know where. So, like in Texas or something like that, where there is capital punishment for killing someone. I remember watching like a documentary about it, death row, and then people were just arguing about whether or not it's moral because like it doesn't actually decrease the amount of deaths. Or like murders that happen if you have like a capital offence. Um, mm. So pretty much the only thing that's getting satisfied there is the feel for vengeance. Yeah, and like I cops. don't, ag- I don't agree with the death penalty. Yeah, right. But like obviously I don't, and I think that that's just because I grew up here. But like, dude, when when there was like some fat sheriff there just being like, yeah, there's nothing better than watching a criminal that did something heinous to a baby fry. You know, like it's just like. Look, I'm, I don't, I don't see that as like a. That's not like an egregious thought to me, as again, like the cartoon incident. Yeah, you know, like you can see where that fat Texan's coming from. Okay, I can see the compulsion to have that thought, but I think we need to be aware of that and and fight against that. You're going no, against yeah. human nature. It is human nature to want to enact vengeance. And that and and look, you can go for vengeance in the legal system, or and that's not perfect. I understand that. I understand, look, there's no perfect world out there. Uh, 
So I would say, yes, I understand the thought where it's cathartic to see someone who you feel wronged you receive physical punishment. However, I I would still say we, we need to be against it and we need to condemn it. And when I say condemn, we need to be aware of where it, when, when it's even popping up in us. It's as simple as, oh, someone robbed from me. I'd love to see them get bashed or whatever. That is a call for violence. Damn, you know what? The, yeah, the, the world would be a lot better if that was like the general understanding of everyone. Well, you need to. Well, it comes down to the uh, the outlook of your Gandhi's and Martin Luther King, and just non-violence is the key. No matter what is done to you, you have to strive for non-violence. I don't know everyone. I've even got a stand-up joke I've been trying to write where everyone does have a breaking point. Let's be honest. We are humans. Eventually, if someone is just constantly and incessantly provoking you. There is a point everyone will react violently. Having said that, the violence should always be seen as immoral, especially if that provocation was not violent. Yeah. Because we've got to set a standard there for society. But that's where you get into more grey area philosophical arguments. But what should be very clear cut, is the situation with the cartoonist, with the teacher, not the cartoonist. He didn't even draw the cartoon. God, that's even worse. He didn't even draw the cartoon. Hmm. He was trying to teach teenagers. As an example. About, hey, this is our culture. He's not even saying, he might not even say you have to adhere to this, but he's, in our culture, we allow freedom of expression. Can you at least... This is an example of what we would allow in our culture. And they couldn't handle it. It's really weak when you think about it. It's really weak-minded people that can't handle, yeah, as we said in the beginning of this podcast, a doodle. Yeah, it's really... Anyway, we've got to... Um, do, you, do you any... <laughs> Yeah, well, that was probably one podcast where I could probably be taken, clipped out of context there and made to look bad. But but you know what happens? This is what you realize after a while because this is just like now people a weekly occurrence. Yeah. It's not even a people get over a thing. It's like the vast majority of people just don't care. They don't care. There's like three or 400 right. people that hate you anyway. Yeah. They're just like looking for other reasons to hate you. Yeah. So I think that, look, getting clipped out of context... If anything, all it does is just generate controversy, which helps your brand anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Exactly. And that's why free speech is awesome. And there you go. <laughs> um, the people I talked about, by the way, look up people. On this issue, is it, specifically, I've, I've sort of said my words on it, but these people are far, they're much more well-versed on the topic than I am. Sam Harris, Majid Nawaz, Ayan Hirsi Ali. She's fantastic as well. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe and we've decreased the price of our uh, subscription option if you want Jordan and I to do a whole podcast on your topic just before Christmas so it's now only $30 a month it was $50 a month for $30 a month just till up to Christmas so uh, Ooh, limited to, offer limited offer go to neilkohacker.com slash podcast if you're interested in that uh, thanks guys thank you